Rhino, are the Chicago Cubs the best team in baseball? Uh, Chad, I'm hard-pressed to find another team that's just as good, if not better. So, yes, the Chicago Cubs are the best team in baseball. Don't you agree? Well, we're going to talk about, you know, what has made that happen, uh, whether it's the starting rotation, you know, the surprise around the bullpen solidified over the last couple of weeks, the concerns we do have there, um, what's going on with the offense, the front office, the the, the care and concern that the Cubs have uh, dealing with COVID and so much more. Yeah, and we got a special guest for our seventh inning stretch conductor. It's Elise Meneker from the Marquee Network. She's kind enough to join us and has some great insight about the first couple of weeks of the new season. So stick around because the Friendly Confine starts right now. First inning now, Chad, and the Cubs continue to show that they are the best team in the National League and potentially the best team in baseball right now. This team is playing phenomenal right now and being 10 games over 500 at the recording of this podcast and just looking great every step of the way. I'll tell you what, I have not had this much fun watching this baseball team, Chad, since well, 2016, and we all know what happened in 2016. Am I right? Uh, yeah. This team has been nothing short of fantastic to watch. You just see, and we talked about this last week, the fun that has been restored in this ball club. They were tired last year and exhausted after the 2016 season, and it just continued from 2017 on. But there is a rejuvenation in this ball club, and it is so exciting to see right now. It really is. I mean, this is by any metric uh, a top five team offensively, a top five team um, on the on the mound. I, th- this team is playing so uh, loose and fun, and and the big hits are coming when they they need to. The defense looks just shut down. I can think of one mistake all year is that botched rundown. Otherwise, this defensive team is as good as it gets. Uh, but let's just, you know, we're going to dive into all the different part, parts, but the pitching staff, this team looks just incredible. I was saying this to some friends earlier today. I feel cheated. How much fun would this team have been to watch for 162 games right now? Well, it, <laughs> you bring up an interesting point, Chad, because and we can get into this another day, but there is a double-edged sword to this, right? It's great that they're playing this amazing and that there's potential that this team has a very real chance to win a world championship this year. But at the same time, there's a part of me that, you know, says, I wish it wasn't happening (laughs) this year because to your point, none of us can see it in person. We can't go to the playoffs or the world series should that happen. So it's just to some degree, like you said, you feel a little robbed by this whole season as it's playing out. But again, suppose at the end of the day, I do want to see them win as much as possible, even if it's under the circumstances that we have to watch them under. And and what I'll say is this, and I've been saying this all along, it's that optimistic side of me. Thank God baseball is back because I'll take Pat and Ron in my ear. I'll even take, I I mean, I love Joe Buck. We love Joe Buck, friend of the show. He's been a guest host, a guest conductor, watching a Fox broadcast on that Milwaukee game Thursday night. You know, it's just so good that they're back. I wish I was there, like you said, but I'm watching it, and I'm loving the heck out of it. All right, so let's move on to the second inning, Chad. And you mentioned uh, 
on Thursday night. What a gem. And you talked about the starting rotation. Hugh Darvish, this rotation, top to bottom right now, I think we can safely say, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. I mean, some people would maybe say the Dodgers or, you know, some people would say when healthy, potentially the Astros. I don't think anybody right now is touching this Chicago Cubs rotation. Hugh Darvish with a no-hitter through six in a third. Absolutely crushing it right now with the way that he has been pitching and the entire rotation for that matter. Kyle Hendricks had an amazing outing, you know, the other night against Cleveland. John Lester has been pitching phenomenal. And other, you know, than the stinker that Chet would put up against Kansas City, everyone else, Alec Mills, yeah. has really done a great job. So it is, it's, it's fantastic to see. But what a performance by Hugh Darvish. You know, we talk about the great performance that Kyle Hendricks had on opening night. I think up to this point, uh, Kyle Hendricks's performance was probably the best until Darvish's performance on Thursday night. I don't think we saw a better, in my opinion, pitching performance than what Darvish turned in. And it is so nice to see because you and I have talked about Darvish for a long time on this show about if he's going to actually get to the potential that we thought he would. He's finally healthy. He finally, I think, has gotten to that point in his head where mentally he is feeling strong and good. And, man, when he is on, it is just so fun to watch when you go seven innings, one hit, 11 strikeouts. Yeah, and I, and I said to, to lead off the show, this is the top five pitching uh, staff. I'll, I'll give the edge to the Dodgers. And actually, what's really interesting, considering the Cubs swept them, the Indians actually statistically have the second best, best uh, um, uh, pitching staff uh, uh, behind the Dodgers. The Cubs, though, are just solid up and down. And so many people, you know, all over Twitter continues to say, oh, woe is was us because of the, the bullpen, which we're going to get into in, in just a bit. But what I would share with you, if you take Craig Kimbrell out of the equation, his bullpen actually is pretty solid. But, you know, you said something that really piqued my interest because I really feel like there is this moment where people like Chatwood for the longest time, even though he really shined last year and has pitched well this year, except for that one clunker, you Darvish has actually been on an incredible roll. I posted this on the Cubs, uh, Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines uh, Facebook page uh, right after the win Thursday night. And I said, look at his last 18 starts. Uh, a sub 2-8 ERA, um, 112 innings pitched, 80 hits, 11 walks, 151 strikeouts, and a whip at about .8. 11 walks and 151 strikeouts over his last 18 starts. So let's reframe what we think we're, we're getting out of you, Darvish. We're actually getting really, really quality stuff. If you go way back to, you know, midway through last season, can it hold on? I think it can. This, you know, we're talking before this short start season, this short season is going to be a boon. I think for a lot of pitchers that, that had just have the opportunity to just shine and not worry about getting exhausted or keeping too much in the tank. And we saw that with you, Darvish, and this pitching staff has been lights out. All right, so third inning now, and some interesting comments from Anthony Rizzo um, when talking about this season, and he was very honest and forthcoming about the fact his exact quote, Chad, was, I'm not going to shy away from it. This could be our last year together, and I think we all know that, especially with the state of the game and who knows what's going to happen. Rizzo said this before the game on Thursday night against Milwaukee. And, you know, Chad, we talk about that core five 
Um, but, you know, certainly there are other big parts on this team that could potentially not be a part of this team moving forward just because of the finances of what make baseball what it is right now. And that's kind of what Rizzo was getting at. Obviously, we know what Chris Bryant's situation is. We know that John Lester has an option going into, you know, 2021, that there's, you know, some opportunities for other players that could potentially be traded to get some value back. And it is kind of sobering to know that this could be the last run of the team that we know of what it is with the core players that made up that championship team. And, and I think that's actually driving these guys a little bit more to know that, you know what, if we're going to go out, we're going to go out the way that we want to make this happen and go out and that's try to win a championship. And they're playing loose and they're having fun because they figure, you know what, let's just win this one and we can walk off into the sunset if we are not together you know, for the foreseeable future. So I appreciate Rizzo saying that. I think everybody kind of knows that that could be the case. I hope it's not, but yeah, the way that baseball set up, there's a very real possibility, Chad, that after this year, we may not see the core five, the way that we know it to be in 2020 and from, you know, 2015 to now. So it's uh, it was kind of an interesting comment made by Anthony Rizzo before that game. Yeah, you know, Chris Myers said in last week's uh, episode, Fox Sports and Marquee Sports uh, star Chris Myers um, shared, you know, it's just the economics of baseball. It's You can't just assume that you're going to have all of your guys and you refer to the core five, which which you're right. And it's interesting because of because of what's going on with COVID, because of the fact that we're in this hopeful 60 game season that goes to the expanded playoffs. There are no guarantees that they're going to be at 162 games next year. We don't know. There's nobody that's listening right now that can say, we're going to be back to normal. Everything's going to be fine next March, you know, next February in the pitchers and catchers report all the way through to opening day. Um, it's hopeful. You'd like that. But if the finances r- remain and continue to where they are, the front office is potentially going to have to make some decisions if they are able to make some decisions um, with some of the players that they identify to say, you know, are we going to roll the dice? Are we going to continue on with Chris Bryant? Are we going to invest heavily in, in Javier Baez? Do we need to make some sort of move with Wilson Contreras? Rizzo's, you know, team friendly deal is, is coming to a close. Lester's on that option next year. So it is, it was, it was heartbreaking to see that note from Rizzo, but I'll, I looked at it in a different way. I looked at it as this group that is gelling so perfectly and through all of this adversity, through all of this, this uniqueness of, of having to take the protocols and the precautions and everything, Anthony Rizzo is saying this particular team is probably never this this team is not going to be together ever again. Um, and and you can look at it uh, the, the the bigger group, but, but you know the bigger group is going to be there be, except for Lester, guaranteed next year unless some moves are made. So enjoy this while it lasts, guys. And and due to the economics, it's going to be interesting to see what the front office decides to do because again, who else is coming up on the end of his contract is Theo and his group. Yep. Oh, great point. Very great point. But you know who will be back, Chad? Jason Hayward. So we always have that. (laughs) Hey, hold on a second. Jason Uh, Hayward. Jason Hayward is the king of Cleveland. I mean, seven RBIs that clutch through and home. You do not besmirch Jason Hayward on this episode. I I said, I actually tweeted out. I'm sure you saw it when uh, you can find me at Ryan D. Lieber. um, When I said, how can we trick Jason Hayward into thinking that he's always playing in Cleveland? Uh, because he, <laughs> he clearly tears it up uh, in Cleveland. But uh, he, man, he, he looked unbelievable. So let us move on now to the fourth inning, Chad. 
And, um, you know, we talk about how the coronavirus has obviously played such a huge role um, in this season when it comes to just the way that baseball has been laid out, the way that teams have been affected by it, the Cardinals, the Marlins, um, you know, they obviously have the Phillies, but the Chicago Cubs have done a remarkable job. Um, Other than Tommy Hadovy, the pitching coach who caught it, you know, before the season started, this team has really done an amazing job of, you know, staying safe, following the protocols, and there has not been a single issue where a lot of people before the year started thought there would be some potential problems with players maybe going out, maybe, you know, enjoying Chicago in the summertime. Not that there's really much you can really do in Chicago at the moment, other than maybe be outside for a few hours. But to their credit, they've done an amazing job. And I really got to hand it. I know we've given him praise already. But uh, my guy, Mr. B-plus, David Ross, I really believe (laughs) has done an amazing job of getting these guys to buy into whatever he is telling them to do and really take this seriously. And the guys are really um, just, you know, receptive to what, you know, Grandpa Rossi is is telling them. So to me, um, a credit to this organization for the great job they've done handling this pandemic. Yeah, you can't you can't underscore that. I mean, you really can't. And, and, and big praise. It does start at the very top. David Ross, by all accounts, by all reports, by everything you're hearing from the front office, from every single player, he has brought in and developed a culture that we've heard it over and over again that was missing the last couple of years. And, and again, a little bit of shade, as you talked about last week on Joe Madden and him not having the accountability. So this is a team, what I, I'm appreciative of. I mean, we all want baseball. Again, if you're a baseball fan and you say you're a baseball fan and you're not listening or attempting to listen or watch to every inning that's going on right now, what are you doing? What are you doing instead? Because this is this is heaven. And this Chicago Cubs team is taking this seriously. Um, they've not had any selfishness and what we saw even before the 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 indians uh series um one player scratched another player sent home because of selfishness because they had to go out on the town this is a cubs team that is business-like this is workmanlike and they have decided you know what it's a unique year it's a 60 game sprint let's roll the dice and see what we can do and i think we're seeing that on the field all right so let us move on now to the fifth inning chad and um there was obviously a lot of chatter um well is uh Recently as last week when we kind of saw Craig Kimbrell come into ball games and uh, obviously not be successful with the outings he would have and the concern that this team's bullpen was just really the missing link in the weak spot. And and it still ultimately is when you go down the list of what the strengths and weaknesses are in this team. But I got to say, things are shaping up a little better with this team. However, does that still mean that the Cubs won't be buyers um, if they need to go out and get a closer? Now, Rowan Wick has looked good. Um, Jeffress has looked pretty solid as well. My guy who I personally think should be the closer, but Rowan Wick's done a great job too. Um, right now, Chad, I actually can say I'm, I'm comfortable. <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'm comfortable with the pen right now, and I'm comfortable yeah. with the way that David Ross has handled this, and we talk about this with with Elise Meneker um, as well in the seventh inning, on how he has done balancing this bullpen so far. Yeah, it, it's, it's you know, my my only thought that I share, that I try to have as a Cubs fan, is have a short memory. 
the reason I throw out those stats for Hugh Darvish. Let's have a short memory. Let's judge him by the recent history. And I'm going to do the same thing with the bullpen. Yes, the first week was rough. Yes, there was a lot of Craig Kimbrell situations in that first week that made you shake at the core because you're thinking if we have to rely on this guy, we're we're not in a really good position. But Rowan Wick going into that Thursday night game where he gave up that little, you know, that 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 liner to left field after the two stolen bases that were uncontested. That was his first earned run he gave up all year. And your guy, Jeffers, he hasn't given up an earned run. And so you've got some setup guys. I think everybody is aware of their role. And what's beautiful about this team so far, and I said it early on, this offense is getting the hits when they need to get the hits. They're clutch when they need to be clutch. And they are not putting a ton of pressure on this pitching staff, on the reliever staff, and ultimately on if it is a closer by committee. So so to answer your original question, which is do we need to um, see the front office make a decision and go out there and make a move, I'll go back to what I said last year. Right now, I don't know who's going to be dangling. I don't know who who this team can really offer up to do, um, you know, to do that and of who would be the quality. Um, but if they can see an opportunity to make a pin, this 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 front office is not going to sit on their hands to bring in another quality arm if they see the opportunity. But the team right now, I'm going to say it just like you. I'm not concerned. I don't have a lot of issues. We'll go back to that Thursday night game with you, Darvish, when he handed that over. I wasn't worried. I, I have a lot of confidence the last week and a half plus with this Cubs team. All right. So let's move on to the sixth inning, Chad. And we talk about the weaknesses. Now let's talk about the strengths. We talked about the rotation, but man, this offense has been great. And, and yeah, one yeah. of the things that I love about this team this year, you know, I, and, and again, we get into this with Elise Menneker in our seventh inning stretch is that top to bottom, you know, even though we may not see, Chris Bryant um, have the type of year that we would hope for so far in the leadoff spot, man, you know, when you get to the seven, eight, nine spot because of the DH rule, and now we don't have the pitcher batting, the Cubs lineup has become that much more dangerous, which has allowed this team to get runs in really important spots in later innings. And they're getting those insurance runs to shore up those victories to make sure that the game is out of reach or that if the bullpen does give up a run or two, they have that padding to be able to, you know, support, um, you know, those, those games where they can say, okay, we at least have an opportunity here that if our bullpen doesn't hold up and they give up a couple of runs, we win the game six to five instead of six to two or whatever it may be. It is so great because I remember the two of us going back and forth, just absolutely banging our heads against the wall, not being able to figure out why this team could barely scratch through a run or two in certain games with the offense they had. And so it is so nice to see that this offense is clicking. They're getting pitches to hit. And, you know, these role players, the Kipnesses, the the Nico Horners, the Ian Haps, the Victor Caratinis, these guys are making an impact. And they're doing a great job of supporting the core guys who we ultimately expect to be carrying the team. Yeah, uh, one piece of pushback on that, and 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 I'll get to that in just a second. What I will we'll lead off with is this: this is the crowning of what I alluded to when this season started, which was the front office wanted and needed Ian Happ 
to take control of center field. And we're seeing that there's a crowning of a center fielder in Ian Happ, who is basically, you look at his splits on both sides, you know, Albert Amar Jr. is kind of going to be the odd man out. He's going to be a late, late inning uh, replacement. His offense has, has really struggled uh, over the last year and a half. And uh, I'm really excited to see what will happen with Ian Happ. He looks just so workmanlike up there, doesn't look lost. His swing is, is adjust to the situation. But when I look at this lineup, I go, Complete confidence in Rizzo, complete confidence in, in Willie, complete confidence um, when Javi's up to the plate, complete confidence with Schwarber. Co- uh, Chris, um, I'm not as concerned about other than can he heal? You know, he's dealing with the shoulder issue, which has been a nagging issue, but he's dealing with a wrist issue that that is can be problematic. What it does do for a team that's rolling right now that is not having, you know, has having Chris get scratched here and there, it's given the opportunity for Bodie to come in and shine um, at times. And so my only pushback is, you know, is, is the Nico Horner situation. I'm a little concerned that he is being exposed so far. Let's be honest. He would not be in this situation if there was a full minor league situation um, you know, and he, he got a lot more reps early on. I don't know how David Ross is going to be able to manage that. I think he's going to stay up with the club. He's had some good hits here and there, but he is, you know, he's not been as strong as I'd like him to be, but again, kudos to David Ross. Um, I love that. Neither one of us mentioned Jay. Hey, I love you, Jay. Hey, I love you. I'm excited for you. And I think we're going to see him turn something on. Remember last year when he went on that tear for like three weeks before he got hurt. We're going to see that again, but this is a team offensively. There are, there are very few people when they get up to the plate where you go, huh, you know, other than maybe Souza, cause we haven't seen a lot from him, you know, in his time and his reign there, but this is a, an offense that you're right with, with the designated hitter. This is so exciting to watch. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines, and we're very excited for our guest this week. You can find her, of course, on her new home at the Marquee Network. You, of course, can also see her on the Big Ten Network. She is the newest member of the team. It is our pleasure to welcome Elise Meneker here to the Friendly Confines. Elise, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to the seventh inning stretch. It's great to talk to you. Ryan, thank you so much for having me on. Really, the pleasure is all mine. I just as long as you don't, you're not gonna make me sing, right? This is no, just yeah. You know, that's that's part. We you don't have to sing anything okay. from the stretch. That's the beauty of this. It's it's just merely the Q and A part. So great. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, be a part of it. And of course, we want to also mention that you can find Elise on Twitter at Elise Meneker. So please make sure to uh, follow her there. And she does such a great job on the marquee network she's basically a jack of all trades she's hosting she's doing you know the sideline reporting she's doing podcasts so obviously um you can find her on a lot of the platforms that the marquee network is all about so elise let's start here um as we record this podcast and the cubs off to such an amazing start um you know as we head into the series this week with the cleveland indians already looking good I think a lot of people are just pointing the finger at David Ross and saying it was this simple of a fix. Is is that really what it is at this point? When you look at this game, is David Ross really just the X factor that's kind of changed the attitude of this club or are there other variables that have made this team look as good as they have so far? 
Man, I mean, it's hard not to look at David Ross right now. Uh, and even the players are are pointing to him. You know, I keep thinking about a couple of times now in the past couple of weeks, John Lester specifically has mentioned David Ross. And you hear a lot to start this season about the team's energy. And that's what Lester's talking about. He's like, hey, you see our energy. We're really just a reflection of our manager, David Ross. He's locked in every pitch. That's kind of where we're getting it from. And you can tell this team in the dugout, you know, anytime I've been on sidelines at the game and I don't know if it's a factor of no fans in the stands and it's something you just notice more but I I really think it's about this team and you notice the conversations they're having in the dugout you notice that they are very focused they're having fun they're loose um and David Ross is letting them be free so it's kind of one of those things it's as you start to watch this team I I do look at that energy and the way they're clicking and then how Ross kind of breeds that because that's what you look at when you're looking at a championship caliber team. I do look at those intangibles. We can talk about the talent, of course, and I'm sure we will. But, yeah, it seems to start at the top. And now the way it's filtering down, it's a great combination for the Cubs so far. And one of the big things that we've seen is the rotation, Elise, has just been absolutely phenomenal. Um, It starts with – in my opinion, John Lester, who has had the two best starts out of everybody in the rotation. I know they dropped him um, to the fourth spot this year. Maybe that was for the best. But Hey, that's good if John Lester is your fourth man in your rotation. <laughs> right. No, 100%. And, but I guess I would say at this point, at least, he's, he's proving, even at 36, to not only still be the best pitcher in that rotation, but you're, you know, I know it's early, but I have to believe if he continues to pitch like this, the Cubs need to pick up that option for next year too. No. Well, also to start the season two, to your point about being the fourth man in that rotation, really, that was just about stretching him out and progressing. And now that we see him kind of settle in to start this season, uh, it I think you make a good point. And it's something that hasn't really been talked about a lot to start this season, the experience that Lester brings. Now, that has been talked about on this pitching staff, but now maybe what we're seeing are the effects of that and really how it's rubbing off on the other players. I mean, look, the reason he just started against the Indians and David Ross said it was because of his his experience and the way he can handle these changes. He knew how to approach those days off and how to get ready for his start. In fact, he said he just approached it like normal. It wasn't anything new to him. He said, I just kind of, you know, pitched the way I would during the week and through the bullpens that I would. And that's how I got ready. And that's the experience that you're seeing from John Lestery. So even keeled out on the mound. Uh, and so I think you make a good point with that, that it does start with him and what he brings and and being a part of that 2016 team. That's coming up now a lot, too, with the core of these guys being on that team, knowing what it takes to win a championship, knowing what it takes to even just get through this season. So John Lester is doing everything he can right now to be playing his best ball. And man, is it good? Are you more impressed with the way the rotation is shaping up or more impressed by the fact that David Ross has somehow found a way to patch together this bullpen on a night in and night out basis, <laughs> knowing what he has and somehow starting to figure out, okay, I'm going to use, you know, this guy on this night, this guy on this night, and, you know, figure out from there how I can just basically juggle it. Um, it it's almost to their benefit. I feel like at least that it's only 60 games because I don't know how this bullpen would be if we were talking about 162 games. Can this bullpen survive the entire year the way it's looking right now with this team? I do think they can survive. Uh, 
When you bring up the starters in the bullpen, of course, it's been different roads for them to start this season. And yes, also the starters have been very impressive. So which one do you want to pick and talk about? So we've talked about, say, John Lester and the starters and how impressive they've been. But then kind of to your point, too, about the bullpen and the way that David Ross is piecing it together and matching it. I am not actually in favor. I shouldn't say I'm not in favor. I don't think this season we're really going to see a true closer. Um, I actually think more David Ross is going to keep doing what he's been doing. I think he's all about the matchups. That's who we see go out there. Just like you said, how he picks and chooses each day. Um, who's going to pitch when and who's fit for this situation. He says he doesn't pick that in advance. He's just saying, okay, where are we in this game? Who needs to be out on that mound? And this is who I'm going to go with. Um, I think, you know, with the way that Kimbrell is coming along, a lot of people immediately just said Jeremy Jeffers should be that closer than if Kimbrell isn't going to be at his best. And then, you know, I think the way that he's approached it is, to your point, it's really impressive for a first-year manager to be navigating everything that he is. Um, it is it's impressive and it's kind of cool. Um, it's kind of fun. Every day, we're not even just seeing different guys come out from the bullpen. In this lineup, we haven't seen the same lineup on back-to-back days. And I think that's part of that energy that we talk about. That's partly what's breeding this family uh, mentality and the way this team is working together. Uh, it's to me, it's just all it's like this domino effect of how it all kind of feeds off of each other. And I think the bullpen is no different than any other position on the field right now with how he's working that. Now, you mentioned the lineup and and that's a great point. And obviously it has been marvelous so far to watch this lineup play. Um, but I'm going to pick at it just a little bit. I'm <laughs> curious what your perspective is on this, only because I, I know the leadoff position is obviously something that this has been a point of an issue since 2017. But at some point, do you think David Ross has to look at the lineup knowing how short the season is and say, maybe I have to drop Chris Bryant down to the two or the three spot and think about putting, let's say, an Ian Happ in the one hole or, you know, whoever that may be, somebody else, um, a Nico Horner, for instance. Where do you stand on that to see Bryant leading off and how much more rope he maybe gets in that spot before you maybe. So it's funny because I've thought about this and I'm like, well, I'm not the one that's 11 and three right now. So (laughs) whatever David Ross is doing is working. Um, So I'm not really the person probably to be making these calls, but I know where you're going with this because Brian just isn't having the production at the plate right now. And the top of the lineup, you could say um, just as a whole, isn't producing the way that they are. And yet this team is still winning games. And that's because of just how they're working together. And even the way the bottom of the lineup has come through at the plate. Uh, So, yeah, I, I've even thought like could the way Ian Happ is hitting, could he be a great leadoff hitter? But what's that saying? Don't, you know, don't fix it if it ain't broken. So as long as they're winning games, I don't think you're going to see anything really change besides just these lineups on a daily basis to coincide with the matchup that works for the team on that given day. Um, but down the road, could that happen? I wouldn't be surprised with the way guys at the bottom of the order are hitting. And then if you want kind of like that light bulb at the top, Um, But here's the thing, what the bottom of the lineup has said and what David Ross has said about this bottom of the lineup is that the reason the bottom of the lineup is having success is because the way the top of the lineup and their quality of bats, the pitches that they're seeing, like Schwarber taking so many pitches last night and just fouling them off and the bat, the quality at bats he's been really happy with. I think it's just a matter of time until these guys start coming along. I mean, keep in mind, these guys at the top of the lineups are the ones with the targets on their back. These are the ones that the pitchers know and they know they have to go after. What's cool about this lineup is just because you go after them, we're not seeing any let up. 
towards the bottom of the lineup. And that's what's fun about this team, the way they hit. And no pitcher has any hitter off. Um, but I think those questions are going to come up. But like I said, as long as you win, I don't think you're going to see changes much. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You, I, I couldn't uh, agree with you more on that. Elise Menacur is our guest from the Marquee Network, taking a few minutes of her time to join us here on the seventh inning stretch. Um, Elise, how has it been working for the Marquee Sports Network um, and what that has been like you know, through the season? I know, obviously, 2020 has, has probably been the most uh, unbelievable year, to, to say the least, uh, when it comes to just everything that's happening in life. And for I'm sure there's so much that you have probably taken in and appreciated so much more knowing now that we're at least playing games in the short time that you've been able to uh, be a part of it, what's that been like for you uh, through the, these first uh, few games of the season? Uh, it's been amazing. I absolutely love it. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, I genuinely have loved every single day on this job. You know, I, baseball is my love. It's where my heart is. I played college softball. I played a season pro overseas. And so naturally, it's just always been a sport that I've not just been drawn to, but I grew up with. And I just love being around. Um, and so to get a job like that where I'm told every day and not to mention I get to go cover my hometown team, the team that I grew up watching. I mean, it really doesn't get any better than that. So really um, when this opportunity came along, I was so thankful and grateful um, just for all those reasons that I described. And it, it has lived up to those expectations, even in this climate, even in 2020. Um, I think to your point, you appreciate every day so much being out there every day that we can have baseball, every day that people are safe and healthy and we can continue this and do it in a safe manner. Uh, I feel so lucky to be a part of it. And the truth is, I mean, you know, 2020 has not been the best year, um, but uh, it's, it's memorable, it's historic. Uh, and I think it's going to make not just me, but everyone stronger for getting through it. And I think uh, because of what we've gone through, it's going to make the the small things in life that much better going forward. Maybe the things that you didn't always appreciate now, you're going to appreciate because we're already doing that. Elise Meneker from the Marquee Network. You can find her on Twitter at Elise Meneker. Elise, thank you so much for joining us here on the seventh inning stretch. We'd love to have you back. And I promise next time you come back, then we'll have you sing Take me out to the ball game if you'd like. All right. Totally, I'll practice. Totally uh, hey, I, you have me on. You just tell me what to do and I do it. So if you need that from me, I'll get ready. You're the best, Elise. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon and best of luck and continued success. Ryan, thank you so much. Our thanks to Elise Meneker from the Marquee Sports Network. And of course, you can find Elise at Elise Meneker. Easy enough to do that. And of course, you can find Chad and I also on Twitter. I am at Ryan D. Lieber. Chad is at the Chad Gordon. So be sure to check us out there. Plus our Facebook page where we are always interested in what you have to say. Our listeners are important to us as we interact with you guys. Go to the Friendly Confine Chicago Cubs Facebook. Always looking to welcome new members as well. As we move on to the eighth inning, Chad, there is something that our listeners can even be a part of with our podcast. Why don't you explain a little bit more about that? And Rhino, the whole point of this contest is to grow the podcast. We want you, our dedicated listeners, and we see the listeners and the downloads each and every week. We're coming up on 25,000 downloads. 
we know we have dedicated listeners and we want to continue to grow the podcast. So that's the whole reason we're doing this contest. So we'll choose no purchase necessary, by the way. Um, once a month, we're going to choose one winner who does the steps that are outlined on the Chicago Cubs Facebook page on the announcements. One, one winner a month will be able to choose an inning topic and then be able to join us on a future show. And you'll get to be able to debate myself and Rhino, whatever topic that you want to choose. One grand prize winner at the end of the end of the season. And Ryan, this is the first time you're hearing this. I've been teasing this. One winner is going to be receiving a replica 2016 Chicago Cubs World Ooh. Series ring. What do you think? I about think that's that? fantastic. Am I eligible to win the ring? You are not. You are not. And why would you? Because that would seem like an inside job. We want our listeners uh, to do it. So really quickly, guys, before we get into the the ninth inning, this is what we need you to do. We've already had a couple people that have already done these steps. Um, And and if you've already done a review, you're still eligible. You just have to do the extra steps. So go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the Friendly Confines Cubs podcast and write a review. Make sure you're subscribed. And then what you need to do is, is do a rating or review take a screen cap of that and then post it on the Chicago Cubs friendly confines page, show the review and then tag or invite uh, at least uh, just, you know, we'd like three of your Cubs friends um, who you are already invited to the the, the page or um, new to the page. And we are going to be choosing one person at random each month. And then ultimately of all the people that have entered, you'll have that chance at that replica ring. We're excited about it. And this is just our opportunity for Ryan and I to reach out to you, our listeners and say, help us grow. We really want this to continue to grow and thrive. And I got to tell you, Rhino, there is not another Cubs podcast that gets better guests than we do just in the last couple of weeks pat hughes lynn casper chris myers uh mike greenberg i mean are you kidding me some incredible guests and that's what we're proud proud of that and we're going to continue to bring on big names chad and i know that we're going to be able to continue to give our listeners some of the best insight not just for cubs baseball but for baseball in general and i think that's what's so exciting when I think about the future of what we're going to be able to bring yeah. to uh, to our listeners and to the community of uh, the Chicago Cubs podcasts that we do. So let us move on to the ninth inning now, Chad. And uh, the St. Louis Cardinals apparently are, uh, are they're going to play again. I didn't think that the uh, baseball team existed anymore after the first five games. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we were all hashtagging the uh, cancel the cards, but apparently the Cardinals have finally found a way to make this work they are going to play this weekend against the chicago white Sox, and then they will make their way chad to the friendly confines not our friendly confines but the actual friendly confines of wrigley field to play the chicago cubs and i i can i i'm excited because obviously it's always great when the cubs and the cardinals get together and to see them play but especially because of everything that has been going on, nothing is going to make me happier than to see the Cubs face the Cardinals for the first time this year and just see um, what the Cardinals are really going to look like, considering they have not played in basically two yeah. weeks at this point when by the time they get to Wrigley Field. Um, the Cardinals situation, though, has been an absolute mess. It's still not cleaned up entirely, um, but they need to get this game, no. their games going. I don't even think they're going to be able to play 60 games. They're probably, you know, 
play in the 40s at this point, maybe 50s if they're lucky. It's it's incredible. And and I got to tell you, uh, you know, we don't all know the ramifications and the issues that are affecting it. But I am so perplexed by Major League Baseball. Why do you set up the taxi squads with these other groups at a safe site? in a protective bubble if you can't utilize if you can't use them in a situation like this it took a while for the marlins to get back but for the fact that the cardinals are looking at five games so far on their their schedule that they played the cubs didn't uh, you know are behind three games they're going to put them at a disadvantage where they're going to have to play some some double headers you know the reports are and and you'll be listening to this either during this time or 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 after um that there won't be a cubs white Sox game i'm sorry cardinal white Sox game on friday they'll play a double header on the south side and then they'll play a double header against the cubs on monday and a double header on wednesday that puts the cubs at a disadvantage i mean the cubs now have to play a ton of games all all uh, up against uh, uh, each other. That's going to uh, affect their pitching staff. You know, Jose Quintana, we need you back as soon as possible because we're going to need you in the rotation. But I'm, I'm perplexed that Major League Baseball is not utilizing the taxi squad or hasn't pulled the trigger on that and said, listen, you're just going to bring up the B squad because we got to get these games out because it's, it's affecting other teams. Um, I go back to what I've said before. I, I wish nothing but health and safety and, and full recoveries for everybody. Um, but you're right. I can see a, a time and it's, it's my doomsday scenario of what if this season ends, you know, missing a couple teams where they just have to opt out. I don't want to see that, but I also don't want to see the Cubs get put through the ringer and have to play multiple double. Yeah, but you also have to remember that's going to affect the Cardinals stretch. too, because they're the ones that are going to be playing double header after double header after double header. And they got to do yeah. it without a lot of their key guys. I mean, Yadu Molina's out, Paul DeJong's out, uh, yep. Carlos Martinez is out. I mean, they got guys, right now that clearly um, are, are ravaged by what's been happening when it comes to COVID-19. So, um, man, I, I'm curious to see what is going to happen with this St. Louis team as far as how they're going to figure this out. So with that being said, that is going to do it for this edition of the Friendly Confines. For Chad, I am Ryan. We thank you, as always, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next week. And just remember, please wear a mask. See you at the ballpark, everybody, one day. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field The first time you walk into Wrigley